Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Start out with a fishing report from last week. We did pretty good. We helped them Canadians get those walleyes under control. I think they ought to be all right until we get there again next year. As far as a crop report goes, um, just talking to the guys this week and, and kind of putting it together, starting down by uh, other side of Springfield, New Berlin, Winchester area with the Peak Boys down there. Um, they uh, believe that they'll be tasseling next week on their early planted corn which represents about 80% of the area down there. The May planted corn is about knee high, coming along pretty good. Their April beans uh, in 15 inch rows are closing the rows now. The 30 inch aren't there yet. The May beans are in that second, third trifoliate. Uh, the April beans represents about 30% of the beans in their area, they thought. 70% uh, of them are more in that third trifoliate area itself. Um, but they are looking pretty good and they're pretty good on moisture as far as moisture stress goes. Uh, their bigger concerns probably come in the weed control side, mainly again with water hemp and mare's tail. Uh, and they're seeing weeds getting through the dicamba bean treatment, uh, which is creating con some concern as far as how much respraying and what it's going to take to, to stop those. But in general, uh, looking pretty good. Um, both corn and beans just got kind of two different big stages itself. We slide on over to the east in that Blue Mound area, talking with Grant Nolan, said the corn's about five feet uh, tall, and they, they would rate their crop at about 75% excellent, 25% good. Uh, beans are all over the place. Again, the April beans are closing up the 15-inch rows. The May planted beans have kind of stalled out and uh, not moving along very good there as well. Their bigger concerns, again, um, weed pressure in corn is good, but they're seeing some escapes of water hemp uh, on their earlier beans, which they originally thought were clean, uh, focusing on the later beans that uh, kind of manage that size itself. But they're having some escapes on their early planted beans that are now starting to show up, and they're going to have to go back uh, and, and maybe do another rescue in that situation itself. Moisture-wise, they're in pretty good shape, um, kind of right on the line. They're getting their moisture when they need it and uh, aren't seeing the stress we're seeing other places. We keep on moving south uh, or east over to the Sullivan area, talking with Phil Martin down there. Again, his 15-inch April beans are closing. The 30s are not. He thinks he's about 10 days from tasseling there. Uh, weed harvest has started in the area, uh, and some double crop beans have been planted. From a moisture perspective, uh, sound like they're kind of a just-in-time moisture. Uh, they're not under a lot of stress, uh, just on the light ground in some areas, but seem to be picking up rains, even though they're pop-up showers, picking up rains just about everywhere, um, depending on uh, when it happens, as well as dealing with some heavier rains uh, to the south of them as well. We can move north from there up to Tuscola, talking with the... Uh, Gingridges, uh, again, the April corn is in that rapid growth uh, stage and really moving out. The uh, May corn is starting to shade the rows itself. In the last seven days, on the eastern half of their farm territory, they picked up over an inch. The rest of it has been uh, two-tenths in the last five to six weeks. Overall, uh, crop report there looks good. They expect the weed harvest to start next week. Uh, not sure they got enough moisture for the double crop beans there to get them up within itself. 
Again, uh, from a weed control standpoint, they're having some uh, escapes, mainly in this case with the water hemp, coming around their dicamba bean program. So again, starting to see that report show up more and more. Here in the Clinton-Hayworth area, uh, we got a lot of ground here that's been running on now six weeks with only two-tenths of an inch of rain. Pretty spotted showers, uh, probably some of the drier area that we're dealing with. The corn in the light soils this week really started to take its toll. When we had the 88 degrees and 36% humidity, we just didn't have big enough root systems to take that, and that corn is, is starting to show some stress from that scenario. April beans, again, on 15-inch uh, rows are closed. The May beans are kind of locked up. Uh, the dry weather is creating some havoc with both mare's tail and water hemp control. Of course, we got a lot of herbicide out there from a residual standpoint that hasn't had much moisture or any moisture to activate it. So again, in this area, we're starting to see the dicamba program in the beans missing. Uh, some of this uh, water hemp is looking like it's probably going to come around it as well as some of the mare's tail. Moving north up in the Livingston County, the four Sonoman area up in there, uh, that's our tough area. We're looking at that between Highway 17 and 116 is uh, tremendous rainfall. Three to 10 inches of rain. Matter of fact, one area reporting two seven inch rains in 10 days. So a situation, there's a lot of corn and beans under water, under stress. Um, the weed harvest about to start next week, the end of next week. And the challenge is whether we can get the field dried out to harvest the wheat from it itself. In some cases, it looks like 2015 all over again. As far as the struggle, beans are in the second trifoliate up there. We continue to move north up into Wilmington. We're now on the north side of the big rains up in there. Um, and uh, talking with the guys up at Rabidou Grain, saying that they got corn under stress from drought and they got corn in real good conditions. Uh, and it's not that far apart uh, as far as uh, the crow flies from the conditions they're running into. Weed control in the corn up there is looking good. Beans are small up there and they're just getting started to spray, but again, battling both water hemp and mare's tail. Uh, they expect the weed harvest to start the end of next week or into the following week itself. As I traveled through Wisconsin on our way up to Canada, um, get north of Madison, we could tell that most of that land had been planted a week ago, but we couldn't tell what it was planted to. On our trip back, uh, we could tell it was planted about half corn, half beans, and a lot of water pressure up there, a lot of water standing in different areas. I talked with a grower from up in there just yesterday, and they, a number of growers have taken preventive plant if they don't have a place for the silage to go. So Wisconsin's dealing with some wet conditions out there. Now here local in the field, what we've seen this week, things that we've looked at, um, dealing with yet uh, a lot of drift issues on soybeans in this case. Uh, some of your more uh, serious drifts, let's say like a callisto or something like that, burning the beans. Uh, that's usually two, three, four rows, uh, that kind of combination. But a number of reports of dicamba drift, uh, the dicamba type issues on the beans. We're seeing three different types of uh, dicamba issues on the beans. One I'm going to call an environmental or environmental look-alike, uh, one a contaminated sprayer, and one drift issues. Those three different things that we've looked at. When we talk about drifting dicamba out of a cornfield or out of a neighboring bean field, usually the drift is pretty visible. 
Uh, you can see what direction it came from typically and you can tell what field it came from. And what you don't have in drift situations is you don't have corners or overlap zones that you typically would look at that are worse. So it's a drift pattern that you can definitely pick out by uh, figuring out wind directions and which fields were sprayed. A contaminated sprayer is a case where there's some something in the sprayer that didn't get cleaned out well. And in that case, you can't find a drift pattern. But what you're going to see is overlap zones and backs up in the corners, hot spots where it's definitely noticeable that the rate was higher in itself. And it's going to show up one to three trifoliates after the actual spraying. A lot of times you'll notice it on the new growth, but it will have more traditional patterns in the field. Now, environmental stress it can also trigger dicamba type symptoms in a field or growth regulator symptoms. And that's when a plant senses stress, fires up uh, hormones within the plant to overcome that stress, and it e evolves into cupping and, and kind of a growth regulator appearance on the plant itself. Now, stresses are kind of strange. Uh, one that's common is you could hit high temperatures during the day and then rather cool temperatures at night with a fast cool down. That's enough to trigger uh, this to take place. Now, if it's in environmental stress, it'll be very uniform all the way across the field. There won't be a drift pattern from a neighbor. There won't be overlap zones from an application. It'll just be a uniform cupping across that field itself. Now, this could also be a stress triggered by a post-application of herbicide uh, out there in the field that happened maybe in one of the hotter days with the lower humidities and it triggers it. Now, the difference is it won't show up right away. It'll be one to three trifoliates after the spraying. So you're going to look at five to 10 days, maybe 15. And there won't be double up areas in the field like you would with a herbicide application in itself. And again, as we look at the drift issues I've looked at, if that are more in the dicamba relation. I don't see too much where we got an, uh, it's different, of course, if we actually sprayed dicamba on a, on a bean that wasn't dicamba resistant, it's going to be dead. But the drift issues that I've looked at this week, because we're looking at beans that are in that third to fourth, fifth trifoliate, um, there's a pretty good possibility it'll actually stimulate yields. I'm not taking that to the bank, but I've seen enough of these that I haven't seen any fields that I'm not worried about. And if I was going to bet uh, on the outcome of it, I would tell you that most of them, it's probably a good thing versus uh, something that we have to worry about. We are visiting a lot of fields under drought and heat stress. Um, some of the corn, especially in the light soils, it has really shown some pretty uh, high amounts of stress, almost to a bleaching effect on some of the fields. Um, and as we visit some of these fields, the sins of the spring are now raising their head. Fields that were worked wet and compacted uh, and got everything from wheel tracks to compaction layers under it, more obvious stress. That field is under uh, considerable more stress than, let's say, a neighboring field where it's rolled up tight and doesn't hardly unroll at all at night itself. The other issues we've seen is where we planted the fields wet with too much down pressure and sidewall smeared it. Now we're running into rootless corn, and this week the rootless corn that we were looking at is actually tipping over. So it's beyond being able to salvage like we talked about two weeks ago with a row crop cultivator. Some of this corn now is, is falling over, and we would have to count it out at this point itself. 
Um, but the good news here is if we're going to go through some heat stress in the dry areas and we're going to cause this corn to do some rolling, now's the time to do it. We can handle this stress without much reduction on yield. We do need it to get turned around before we go into pollination next month and get this thing rolling. So if we got to have stress, we can handle it now better than we can handle it in 10 days and two weeks from now in that scenario itself. Soybeans, um, the early beans planted are well past the fourth trifoliate. That means they're making their own nitrogen and they are really jumping. They're taking off and they're in a rapid growth stage. And uh, we saw some early flowering on some early beans in our plots yesterday. So situation, those beans are off and running and uh, they're not going to look back. But the later planted beans in that V1 to V3, a lot of guys calling in complaining that the beans have stalled out. The beans aren't growing. What's the problem? And again, unfortunately, they're caught in what we'd call the carbon penalty. They're not making enough nitrogen to drive the growth. And they're sitting in these warm soils uh, dealing with the issue of the low nitrogen values in the field right now. Once they get to the fourth trifoliate, they too will take off but they are going to be stalled out for a little bit until they get there and can make their own nitrogen itself. Now, the good thing is that doesn't mean much in yield. So it's not a, a big crippler there as far as the fact that they're not taking off. But one of the challenges we have to be careful of is in our wide rows, guys are waiting for the beans to get bigger so they can make their application so they'll canopy and they can get season-long control. Unfortunately, while the beans are stalled out in the carbon penalty, the water hemp is not. This water hemp is picking up about an inch and a half, two inches of growth a day. And if we're waiting uh, too long for the, for the beans to get there, we're going to have water hemp that blow right on bias. And with the amount of reports coming in now about the dicamba not stopping this big water hemp, I'm starting to get concerned that we could have a mess here that is going to be hard to clean up. So pay attention to the size of the weed instead of the size of the bean. It may mean we have to spray twice, but that's a lot easier than trying to beat back uh, a, a water hemp that's been beat up and it didn't die and it comes back with a vengeance. At the other end, we have customers to the north. Um, the heavy rains have caused uh, some pretty tough conditions. And I've talked to some growers up there and, and some talk about throwing in the towel. We're not going to spend any more money on this crop. Remember our saying here at CropTech, never, never walk away from a growing crop. Uh, while some fields are severely damaged in 10 or 20% of the field, don't walk away from that other 80%. That other 80% is going to keep you above insurance levels and it's going to have to be managed so we can take as much profit out of there as we can. Remember the huge returns we saw in 2015 by managing late season nitrogen in those fields. Now, don't just go in there and swing from the hip. Be realistic about what your yield goal is, but we can pull nitrates in there and put together a strategic plan of whether or not we need to go in there and manage it. We can put drones above it or aerial imagery or walk it and decide how much of the field we need to treat uh, from a nitrogen perspective itself. But it's too early, and and I know it's kind of depressing to take the, the kind of beating you have in the last 10 days with that much water, but the reality is um, there's still a good crop out there, so we have to make sure that we don't throw in the towel too early. We need to have a plan B ready to implement, so if this thing turns around, how much and where would you put the nitrogen if you needed to be, and then we'll have to deal, of course, with disease issues as well. In general, 
the corn crop looks better from the road than it does from the field. And I mean this for all areas, uh, not just the north where we're suffering from the heavy amounts of water damage that you're receiving. But you can go out there today and do some pretty realistic ear counts. And I'm encouraging everybody to do that. So let's go out there and do our stand count, stretch the tape, count every plant, big or small. And then go back and count the, um, the amount of plants that are two-thirds smaller in height, stalk diameter. And for all those that are uniform, we can then start to calculate an actual bushel or yield goal. So if you had a flex hybrid in the field, take 10 bushel per thousand of the uniform plants, take five bushel for all the rest. So if you had 30,000 plants out there and, and uh, 25 of them uh, are in excellent shape, you can use 10 bushel per thousand and five on all the rest, no matter what their size is. If you're in a determinate situation, seven bushel per thousand of uniform plants, three and a half for all the rest. If you don't know what you got or it's a semi-flex plant, use eight bushel per thousand on the uniform, four on those that aren't and put that together and come up with a realistic yield goal. This is not a barn burner for yield out there, and we need to be realistic in our marketing strategies and what we're working with out there as far as um, trying to prepare everybody what kind of yield we got. But instead of saying it looks terrible or it looks good, let's go out there now and actually you can do some pretty realistic counts on where that yield's going to be based on the ear size itself. The beans themselves, they look from the road, just like they look in the field. It's a situation where we don't know where the beans are yet. Um, we won't know uh, as time goes on, but uh, there's a lot more potential in the beans. So trying to guess bean yields right now is kind of tough, but guessing ear counts right now, you'll be surprised how accurate you'll be in the fall. And you can even mark some of those spots, drop a pin and come back in the fall. You realize you were able to predict uh, that in June, what your ear count was going to be. Crews are wrapping up the uh, tour, uh, doing a wrap-up tour of the summer soil testing. Um, and they'll probably be finishing up this week, first part of next week. They'll be out again to clean up the wheat acres as the wheat comes off itself. So if you missed any fields, get them in ASAP so that it can be cleaned up itself uh, in the field. The amount of summer testing that we did here this year was the highest amount in the company's history. Uh, and we thank you uh, for this support. I also thank Katie and Kevin and their crews for being able to clean this uh, amount of acres up in a very timely fashion, even with all the weather and conditions, environmental conditions that were thrown at them, as well as the office crew in here that's busy in the process of turning this uh, workload into your fall spreading program itself. So big thanks to everybody all the way around on that. Don't forget about our field day. Anybody's got any questions about uh, drifts or stuff like that, call it in and kind of give us a heads up where it's at out there in the field so we can take a look at it. With that, keep her safe, keep her moving.